Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, we are continuing in our study and our preaching series on the Gospel of John. And this morning we come to John chapter 5, the Gospel of John chapter 5 and verses 10 through 18. John 5, 10 through 18. And this is what we read. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? The man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more. Nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, as we saw the last couple of weeks, Jesus is moving from one place to another. He had been in Sychar of Samaria. Then he goes to Cana in Galilee. And then he goes to Jerusalem, to the pool at Bethesda. Bethesda meaning house of mercy. And that brings us to our first point this morning. Reaction to Jesus' healing. Last week, we saw Jesus perform a great miracle. When he immediately and instantaneously healed a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. If you remember last week, Jesus said to the man, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And then we read, and at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And we saw last week that the key phrase there is at once. It literally means immediately and instantaneously. Here is a man who had been a severe who had been severely crippled, so much so that he had to lie on a mat, couldn't get up. For 38 years, he suffered physically, mentally, emotionally, and then immediately and instantaneously, Jesus heals him. And he goes from being an invalid for 38 years to being perfectly healthy all in a moment of time. And then at the end of verse 9, we came to that ominous sentence that I said would prepare us for this Sunday morning, where it says that, now that day was the Sabbath. And so a group, simply identified as the Jews, is angry that the healed man is carrying his bed on the Sabbath. Verse 10 says, So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, 
and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now, again, it simply says they're the Jews, but most likely it's not all the Jews who were there. This is most likely the Jewish leaders. It is probably the scribes, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law or representatives of those groups. They are upset that this healed man actually took up his bed and walked because it was the Sabbath. Now, I want to mention two things to you right up front this morning that will help us understand the background of this scene and will be critical, really, to the rest of the sermon. First, the Sabbath day as instituted by God in the Old Testament is often misunderstood, even by Christians. The Sabbath was a very good thing. The Sabbath day was instituted by God for his people so that they could have a day of rest and refreshment for their souls. A day of rest and refreshment physically and spiritually. It was to be a time where they praised God. They praised him for, them, for his mercy for his kindness, for his goodness to them. They praised him for his love for them. That was what the Sabbath was supposed to be. And, and this is often misunderstood, the Sabbath was a day to go about doing good deeds. You were to do acts of mercy, acts of kindness, to visit someone who might be ill, to bring a meal, or to help someone during that particular time. Maybe it was a meal that you had already prepared for them so that you didn't have to do it on that day. But it was a time of doing good, a time of showing mercy. What you were not supposed to do on the Sabbath, and you can find this as you read through the Old Testament, what you were not to do is work and labor for money or to market goods like you did the rest of the week. So it was not a day where you went out trying to earn even more money or to acquire more goods because the Sabbath was a day that you were reminded that God takes care of you, that God provides for you. It was a beautiful thing. And that's why Jesus said a number of times in the four Gospels. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for the good of God's people. But the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law had taken this good thing, this beautiful thing, and turned it into a legalistic point of rules and regulations. Specifically, they had come up with a list of 39 things that you specifically couldn't do on the Sabbath. One of those things that you couldn't do was pick up an object and move it to another place. Do you know where that's found in the Old Testament? Nowhere. None of the 39 things were found anywhere in the Old Testament. They had simply said, this is the Sabbath, and here are all the things that you can't do. 
So they had taken something beautiful and added to it all of these legalistic rules and regulations. The second thing I want you to know, and I want you to notice, is that here is a man who went through horrible suffering for 38 years. And he gets miraculously healed, instantaneously, immediately healed. He's a healthy man now. And these Jewish leaders have no sympathy for him. They don't say, we are so happy for you. They didn't say, I can't imagine how you feel being healed after all these years. They didn't praise God. No, all they cared about is this man was carrying his mat in violation of their man-made Sabbath rules and regulations. In verses 11 through 13, it says, But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. They want to know who was this. Who was this man who said it was okay for you to violate our man-made rules and regulations for the Sabbath? Who is this man? And he said he didn't know because Jesus had withdrawn. And notice it says in there, at the end of verse 13, and there was a crowd in the place. If you remember, Jesus went to the pool called Bethesda. The house of mercy is what Bethesda means. And if you remember, there, is a multi- or there was a multitude of invalids there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, a lot. There was a big crowd there. And Jesus often did this in the Gospels. He would do a miracle He would heal someone and then he would withdraw. Why did he do that? He did that because he didn't want people clamoring after signs and wonders. We saw this in chapter 4. He didn't want people just coming to him for signs and wonders all the time, all the time. He wanted them to embrace him as Messiah, as Savior. So he slipped away. Then we come to verse 14. Verse 14 is a fascinating verse. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, some people take this to mean that Jesus is saying to this man, The reason you were a cripple, the reason you were an invalid in the first place is because of your sin. So don't keep on sinning or something worse than being an invalid for 38 years will happen to you. But nowhere do we find that this man was an invalid because of his sin. And I don't think this is what Jesus is saying to him at all. This is what I think Jesus is saying here. It's very important. He says to this man, see you are well. You have been made well. I have healed you. But now go. Sin no more. Nothing worse may happen to you. I think Jesus is saying, I have given you the free gift of healing. You didn't ask me for it. 
I just decided in my sovereign goodness and will to bring complete healing to you now. What you really need is the free gift of salvation. You need to be healed spiritually. You need to be healed on the inside. In verse 14, I think Jesus is inviting him to receive him as Savior and Lord. See, you are well. Sin no more. Come to me. Come to me. What you really need is complete forgiveness of all of your sins. You need to be brought into a right relationship with God. You need the salvation of God that I can offer you, that nothing worse may happen to you. And I think the something worse is that Jesus is referring to the coming judgment for those who reject Christ as Savior. There is something worse than being an invalid for 38 years, and that is the possibility of eternal damnation for those who reject the gospel, for those who reject Christ. And you may be thinking, Pastor Tim, how do you know that? Why would you say that? Well, it's something that I've shared with you many, many times over the years. And that is that context is everything. Context is important. And in the context of chapter 5, Jesus is identifying himself as one with the Father. And if you drop down in John chapter 5 to verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. All judgment is going to be given to Jesus. And I believe that he is saying to this man, you are physically well. Now you need the gift of salvation. You need to be forgiven. You need to know Christ. You need to know me as your Savior so that you will not be subject to the judgment that is to come. And that leads us to our second point this morning. God the Father, or excuse me, God the Son and God the Father. The Jews' hatred for Jesus intensifies because he healed the invalid on the Sabbath. In verse 15 it says, The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. You wanted to know it was Jesus. And of course, they knew about Jesus. Oh, that's who it is. It is this Jesus who in their minds was already stirring up trouble. And now they find out he's the one who had healed the man. And so in verse 16, it says, And this, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. The term persecuting Jesus means to persecute unto death. And we will see this more clearly when we get to verse 18. They wanted to persecute him unto death because, because he had violated their man-made rules and regulations which had become more important to them than the original intent of the Sabbath itself. And then in verse 17, but Jesus answered them. 
My father is working until now, and I am working. My father is working until now, and I am working. I want you to really focus in on verse 17. Verse 17 is a key verse for the entire rest of the Gospel of John. It is a key verse for the whole rest of our study throughout John. Because the Gospel of John and its heart and soul is about the deity of Christ, about Christ claiming to be fully God in every way, that He is one with the Father. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, it says that after God had created the heavens and the earth, he rested from his work. That's what it says. But I want you to know something very important this morning. When it says that God rested, it means he, re- he rested from his work of creation. But it doesn't mean that God was inactive. It doesn't mean that God stood by idle. We need to know, every single one of us, that God is always active. God is always at work. Every second of every minute of every day, he is at work. God never takes a day off. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. God never takes a day off. Every day, he is sustaining the universe Every molecule, every atom, every day he is sustaining you. He is giving you the breath of life and whatever semblance of health you have. Every day you wake up and you are alive, it is a gift of God. Every single day, every single day, God is at work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, convicting them of their sin and of their need for a Savior and of the wonder and beauty and glory of Jesus and what he did for them in his death and resurrection. God is always at work. And Jesus is saying, my father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus is saying, I'm God. I'm always at work. I created everything. I'm always at work. Don't miss it this morning. Jesus is not only claiming to be equal with God the Father, he is claiming to be the creator and ruler of the entire universe. He is. This is why this is such a key verse. My Father is always at work. My Father never takes a day off. And neither do I. My father always does good on the Sabbath. And so do I. So, the Jews want to kill Jesus because of what he does and who he claims to be. Look at verse 18. This, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. To kill him. Why? Why did they want to kill him? Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, their man-made rules and regulations, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 
And you know what? They're right. He was. In liberal theology today, there are pastors who are ashamed, embarrassed, to think that people believe that Jesus is fully God. Oh, they believe he was a great teacher. They believe he was a great example, but not God. We can't say that. We can't say he's fully God. But let me share with you, these Jewish leaders get credit for this. They understood what the liberal theologians don't. Jesus was claiming to be God. He was fully claiming to be God. William Hendrickson, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, writes this. I think he captures it so well. They immediately understood that Jesus claimed for himself deity in the highest possible sense of that term. That claim was either the most wicked blasphemy to be punished with death or else it was the most glorious truth to be accepted by faith. And he's right. He's exactly right. Jesus was breaking their man-made rules and regulations about the Sabbath. He was claiming to be equal with God. He was claiming to be the creator and ruler of the entire universe. So either that was the most wicked blasphemy or it is the most glorious truth of all to be accepted by faith. Next Sunday morning, Jesus is going to expand on the whole teaching that he is one with the Father, that he has come to do the will of the Father, and he abides with the Father. We will look at that next Sunday morning. But this morning, I want to close with something else. I want us this morning, as we think about these Jewish religious leaders and how they reacted to Jesus, I want us to think about and remember what our Christian faith is really about. What is the heart and soul of the Christian faith? The heart and soul of the Christian faith is Jesus. It is loving Jesus. It is fellowshipping with Jesus. It is obeying Jesus. It is being enamored and obsessed with Jesus. And it is loving Jesus' word, the word of God, the Bible. That's what our faith is about. Folks, we need to recommit ourselves as a people this morning to recommit ourselves to never ever going beyond what the Bible teaches. We must. Because when you go beyond what the Bible teaches and tell people this is what they have to do, that is your preference. It is not Scripture. And we must be careful that the heart of our faith is our adoration, worship, 
and living fully for Jesus and obeying his word and not creating man-made legalistic rules and regulations all over the world all over the world men and women live and die steeped in religious legalism and religious rules there are all kinds of people in the world who are suffocating under man-made rules and regulations this is how you dress this is how you don't dress this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what you don't do and this is what you don't do and this is what you don't do they're trying to earn their salvation they're trying to earn God's favor constant guilt constant shame over legalistic rules and regulations that some group of men came up with somewhere and if we're not careful this easily creeps into the church historically baptists are notorious for this oh this is how you can dress and this is how you can't dress and this is what you can do and this is what you can't do folks we need to be so careful you need to commit in your heart this morning that we will not go beyond what the bible says You can have your preferences all you want. But as a church in our teaching we will not go beyond what the Bible says. We are here to love Jesus. And we are to obey his word and that word alone. In contrast to all of that legalism and ritualism and man-made rules and laws is the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is a brilliant light. of grace mercy and kindness that is bound up in his free gift of salvation don't you ever forget that you are saved by grace and you are kept by grace you don't have to get up in the morning if you know Christ as savior you don't have to get up in the war- in the morning wondering if god loves you he always does you don't have to get up in the morning wondering what do i have to do to please god What do I have to do to have a good day? What do I have to keep from doing to have a bad day? If I don't do this, is God going to be angry with me? You need to know something. You are loved and accepted in Christ. Yes, we want to obey him. Yes, we want to live for him. But we are always always loved and accepted in Christ. We don't have to earn that. He earned it for us. Your entire identity, your entire identity is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone and nothing else. That's who you are. That's who you are. I think of what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It's not on the screen. But it's a verse that I just love. He says this in Galatians 5:1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free. Don't let anyone 
ever make you a slave again. You are a child of God. You are completely forgiven. You are always loved. Always accepted by your Father because of Jesus. Don't ever let anyone take that away from you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the beauty of Jesus in contrast to the harsh, cruel legalism and man-made rules of the Jewish religious leaders. Thank you that we serve such a glorious and beautiful Savior. Thank you that we are fully accepted in him. May we in return love him with all of our hearts and desire with everything in our being to want to obey him and share him every single day. For we pray in his name. Amen.